Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. Scott, you celebrated a, a birthday recently. Happy belated birthday to you, buddy. Thank you, sir. Yeah, June 22nd, the uh, the the nice ripe age of 35, feeling every bit of it and then some, um, especially with the You're twin babies. Come but you know on. what? You know what? It, it's It's rolling. It's rolling. I still still got, you know, I still got most of my hair um, and it's hard to tell how much of it is gray because it's red. Uh, so so, I mean, everything's really pretty good. All things considered. And at 35, you technically could still be in the major leagues, right? That's that's when I knew I was getting older, when I was older than a lot of the players that I was following in baseball. Right. So 35, you'd be a, a veteran in MLB, but you'd still be a viable uh, major league star. Yeah, I would have had to have been good at some point to still mm-hmm. be around, I think, or a reliever, right? Right. Uh, or, okay. or ja- I mean, like, thankfully, Jamie Moyer gives us all hope, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. as long as long as you're, like, still able to walk mostly on your own, like, you can make it. You still right. got a shot. Who was the other guy? Was it Julio Franco who played until uh, he was, like, in his mid-40s or something? Got, uh, yeah, and, like, uh, Bartolo was, was pretty far up course. there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, got him. Like, yeah, you, know, you you can do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as a you know, especially as a pitcher. Uh, mm-hmm. That so that that's always big. But I mean, hey, Miggy's still around. He's roughly my age. Yeah, um, yeah. Joey, you know, it, it's tough because I look and now I see the players that are roughly my age, and it's like Joey. <laughs> it's like still Joey Votto and like Miguel Cabrera, <laughs> oh, which ooh. is like, yeah, like yeah. back in the day, I was like, man. They're already in the bigs. I can't believe I like, and I've accomplished nothing. And like, I've still accomplished nothing, but now oh, they're also old. <laughs> so it's like, now, now it's just like a new way to experience that failure, right? Comparing no, myself to Joey Votto and Miguel Cabrera. Come on, senior fantasy analyst for a picture list, uh, an attorney. Uh, you got a beautiful family. Come on, give yourself yeah. a little credit there. Come on, you've accomplished a lot. Well, I just mean, and there's in still comparison a lot more to come. To Miggy and Votto. Oh, well, yeah, you're not yeah, a multi multi millionaire yeah. like Miggy, uh, I don't think. Yeah. You know, like JV is my age, right? Finance. And all he did was marry like Kate Upton and is one of the best pitchers <laughs> that ever played. I mean, you know, like we all we all have our own milestones that we try sure. to meet. Sure. Uh, and by the way, Julio Franco, I looked up his stats. Last time he was in the major leagues was 2007, played for the Mets and the Braves, was 48 years old. So you, 13 years you have uh, left. Two teams uh, that love them some old guys, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Historically. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, onward we go. Uh, it's uh, We're closing in on uh, the halfway mark of the fantasy baseball really the the regular baseball season fantasy we've probably maybe even passed it but when you take into consideration uh, some leagues with the playoffs in, in general uh, but um 
yeah, we're still not there at the exact halfway point, but we're getting there, Scott. And so you, you take a look at what's been going on, um, and the Rays basically are the class of, of, of baseball right now, right? 53 and 27, uh, tough AL East. They have a four-and-a-half game lead over the uh, Baltimore Orioles, who have built upon uh, a really good season that they put together last year. But uh, So we started with a couple of Rays, and I was looking at your your uh, hitter list, and, and one guy on your hitter list that you mentioned who's a Ray is Josh Lowe. Uh, he dropped 37 points uh, on your uh, your hitter list. Basically, when you look at him, you know, excellent overall numbers, but you take a, a little closer, and he has real issues hitting lefty. Uh, pitching right hasn't hit a home run uh, over the past month so um is this i mean when you like i said 284 batting average 11 home runs 18 stolen bases overall is it time to maybe pause and maybe say hey you know maybe we're looking at someone that maybe we could move uh in a in a in a sell high kind of trade you know so What's going to be tough is anyone, what happens when you offer someone in a trade? What What's someone usually going to do? And most reasonable fantasy managers are, are going to go look at the recent performance and they're going to see that Josh Lowe is not hitting well, right? Uh, since his last home run, which was on May 21st, uh, <clears throat> he is slashing 237, 258, 290, right? All of those uh, numbers under 300. Not great. That's good for a 54 WRC plus. It's about half as good as a major league uh, average player. There's one, the reason he's even still on the list actually is because despite that, right, over the last month, no home runs, but nine stolen bases Mm -hmm. since his last home run, right? So he is doing stuff, right? Like there, the reason he's there is because when I, when I see a player slumping, someone who put on such a show for the first month and a half or so of the season, when they're at their worst, what do they look like? Right. Like, uh, you know, we talked about Christopher Morrell a lot last week. And we also know that Christopher Morrell at his worst gives you nothing. Right. He just stops playing. He's I mean, he's an absolute drag on every category. He won't be stealing bases. He won't be doing anything. Right. I do like knowing that when Josh Lowe is at his worst because he's a Ray and because the Rays continue to put him in the top half of the lineup. Uh, I mean, he, a lot of hitting first, a lot of hitting third, like the lowest he's hit is sixth, right? Even in all this slump and he does have two doubles in his last three games. So that's a plus, um, you know, and it's Sunday. Maybe he does even better today. Right. Uh, but yeah, tons of stolen bases. He is providing something now. Is it, is it super valuable? Like in a, uh, 12, you know, if you're in a standard 12 teamer, just the three outfield spots, Josh Lowe has become really, really difficult to roster. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not stopping you. If you're saying I have to cut him, I have to move on, especially if you don't care about speed. We talk a lot about head to head categories, leagues, punting mm-hmm. speed is a very viable strategy, which means this speed is not helping you at all. <clears throat> I like knowing that the floor always comes with speed, right? That's a big deal. Uh, I love that the ceiling comes with lots of power. Now, do I think that power is going to come back to an extent, right? Like even if he's only if for the rest of the season, he is half as good as he's been so far, right? We're still looking at a guy that gets close to 20 home runs, right? He's got 11 through 65 games. Even if he only hits five or six more, we're still talking about 16, 17 home runs. uh, And he's got 18 stolen bases on the Mm -hmm. season. So he should get pretty close to 30, 
right? So like a 15 home run, 30 stolen base guy, even if the ratios kind of bottom out, there is use for that in leagues, particularly in Roto. Yeah. Uh, I'm really having a hard time gauging exactly where I like him in head to head categories. Uh, but I, I do see that the floor is a lot higher than I thought it would be because even when the ratios are trash and yes, he gets platooned. Uh, he's the large side of a platoon mostly because the rates platoon just about everybody. Um, it's good to know that he'll still run. He'll still do some stuff that, I mean, that's a big deal. doesn't sound like much, but the floor is worth something. And there's not a lot, like there's a lot of players who are interesting, but also their floors are totally worthless. Mm-hmm. Josh Lowe's floor is not totally worthless. And that means something. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the difference in his value in Roto leagues and head to head. Cause uh, that, that was you know rolling in my mind. I was going to mention that, but uh, glad that you mentioned that another guy, uh, another Ray, just to allow you to take maybe a, a little bow here. A guy that you've been talking about for a while, while he was still a, a tiger is Isak Paredes uh, moves up 31 spots on your hitter list. Really nice season playing uh, just about every day uh, through his first 70 games, 13 home runs, 50 RBI, not killing you with the batting average either, 263 batting average, and uh, been hot for the past week, batting 357. But he's a guy that you were touting for a while. Yeah, and that batting average is the part I had been waiting for. Throughout his minor league career, he showed really good bat-to-ball skills, right? He had a really nice hit tool. In fact, it was the thing that carried most of the profile. And then he comes up and starts, like, mashing home runs last season. He hits 20 in 111 games, but he gives up all the batting average. And, you know, the expected stats still generally hate his batting average, right? In fact, he's probably one of the players with the biggest disparity between expected batting average and expected slugging. If you're using uh, baseball savants numbers, they have an expected slugging of 335 when in actuality it's 487. Now, wow, a big, a big yeah. part of that is because he yanks the ball to the pole field. Uh, Isak Paredes pulls a lot of fly balls and they don't necessarily go that far. But baseball savant statcast does not take batted ball direction into account. So guys like Paredes, who are going to yank the ball to the pool field every time they put the ball in the air, uh, basically the expected stats are going to underrate what he can do because that ball is a lot more likely to leave the yard to the pool field than it is anywhere else, right? So like our our stats from pitcher list like what he's doing a lot more than what you're seeing from uh, what you're seeing from baseball savant, like our, so, and this is a great plug just for our own site or whatever pitcher lists, expected stats. If you go to a player's page on pitcher list, those expected stats take batted ball direction into consideration. It gives you the boost. We know that pulled fly balls are worth like 10. This is not really a joke. It's like 10 times more than a fly ball to the opposite field, right? Because that is unlike, like the one's unlikely to go. The other is a lot more likely to go. So while Statcast on baseball savant, which is agnostic to direction says he's, his expecting slugging is three eleven. You know what we say at pitcher list four sixty six, <laughs> right? Because we know a bunch of those are pulled fly balls and that's got a really good chance to leave the yard. So that's the kind of thing. He is actually a great person. I, I actually am trying to target him in a lot of leagues because I know they know that's that cast thing. And they're mm-hmm. thinking he's going to bust out. You know, he's going to bust. This is going to be over. It's all luck. It's not right. Some of the bat, like a little bit of it is batted ball luck. Right. But it's not like 170 points of uh, slugging luck. 
It's like 40, hmm. right? Like the real split between the slugging and our expected slugging is about 41 points, right? The, the difference on his batting average and his expected batting average is about 23, right? Like I'm fine with that. If that's the regression, if that's the regression monster that's coming, 20 points of average and 40 points of slug for a guy that's hitting 263 and slugging 487, I bet I can make a lot of fantasy profit making a trade for Isak Paredes, especially because, you know, the Rays platoon a lot of guys, but they are not platooning him right now. He yeah. has become their everyday third baseman. Mm -hmm. So I am all about Isak Paredes. I think you should be too because you can – let let those other managers see the expected stat numbers on baseball savant. Let them see it because they're going to hate it mm -hmm. uh, because they should, right? It suggests mm -hmm. that there's a huge black hole happening here, but I'm telling you there isn't. And it has to do with the batted ball profile. He's pulling those fly balls. He's putting everything in play. He's got, you know, he takes plenty of walks. The strikeout rate will never be bad. This is a guy who I think will be very consistent for the rest of the season. I think by the end of this year, we're, I think we have a good shot at looking at, you know, 25 home runs, maybe a little more. If he gets a power surge, 90 or more RBI, we're talking about a player who I think can really do something uh, for the rest of the season. I think he can be about this good basically. Uh, and he's on one of the best teams in baseball, the best team in baseball. Yeah. So I am all about yeah. it. He's hitting in the middle of the lineup. I am all in with Isak Paredes. Sounds like a nice buy low candidate. Good stuff on your Yeah, board. weirdly buying mm -hmm. low on a guy who's having the best season of his career <laughs> yeah. by, by a lot. It's a weird buy low because people think they're selling high. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. think they're selling high because of those expected stats. And, of course, if you look at his history, right, like it's not great. But there's more like there's more to the story. You dig a little deeper. That's where the edge in fantasy baseball comes in. It's not the baseball savant page, which is a great resource. It's knowing the weaknesses of that page, like batted ball direction and a guy who hits every fly ball to the pole field, mm -hmm. knowing that gives you an edge. Yeah, that's awesome stuff and uh, really uh, a good reason to check out the pitcher list player pages. So uh, before we leave the raise, we just have to, you know, take a, a pause and take a look at what's been going on with Wanda Franco, who was benched for a couple of games, Scott. Uh, manager Kevin Cash said, uh, uh, quote, he was been dealing with some challenges of being a major league player. Of course, uh, just 22 years old, uh, Wanda Franco. Uh, and, you know, there's been some issues this year where he hasn't hustled on the base uh, paths and, Got into a heated argument in the dugout with Randy Arena, made a couple of errors on on uh, key play uh, in, in a game. And, you know, in a way, it looks like the Rays just trying to, uh, you know, handle this situation before it turns into something uh, a lot more significant. And like I said, he's the Wanda Franco, just 22 years old, kind of reminds me of like the Bull Durham movie where you know the Kevin Costner's character is taking the the young pitcher under his wing and just showing him the ropes and how to be a major leaguer I mean you could have all the talent you you know in the world but if you let uh, extenuating circumstances get in the way it's going to be an issue now you look at his uh, season-long numbers and they're tremendous right 290 batting average 351 OBP uh, OBP uh nine homers and 24 stolen bases seven caught steals though that's that's uh, I think that leads the league but uh, missed a couple of games but in his first game back on Saturday night uh hits a home run 
Yeah, and, and actually, that's a big deal because the power has been the thing that's the most suspect to me uh, about Wander Franco. I mean, prior to that home, I mean, really, if you if you kind of go back, the power, he had a bunch of home runs right to start the season, right? He hits four of them in like the first week and a half of the season, and he's got five since, including the one he hit on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? So the power has been really light. Now the contact ability is, I mean, he has, there's like one player in the league that I would say is as good at Wander Franco at just hitting the ball, no matter where it is. And that's Luis Arias, right? Luis Arias is the best in the league at hitting the ball, no matter where it is. Wander Franco is pretty much next, right? Because what's interesting is Wander Franco earlier in the season was making really good decisions. We have a decision value metric. It's really, really cool. It, it factors in so many things. It factors in, um, <clears throat> you know, pitch location. It factors in counts. It factors in the type of pitch. It factors in the movement. It factors in uh, righty lefty, right? So, like, is the pitcher left-handed and the you know hitter left-handed? It it factors all that stuff in. And swing decision is not about results. Uh, decision value, I should say, is not about results. Decision value says, okay, we have a model. We know what the league does. In this exact scenario, generally speaking, uh, when it swings and when it takes, right? A specific pitch, like a random, like, okay, it's a it's a one-one slider just below the zone on the inside corner. And it's a righty righty matchup. We actually have a pretty like we have an aggregate value of what what it's worth to swing at that pitch and what it's worth to take it, right? Decision value is all about is the player making the right call just based on what the league can do on average, right? We won't look at the actual results. Uh, a good example would be that, um, that Oh one fastball down the pipe, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, middle up, you should swing at that. <laughs> like we know the league as a whole, the league likes swinging at that pitch and that when they swing at that pitch, it's, all, it's like they have a really good chance of doing something good versus taking that pitch when it's always a strike, right? So we know that it's good to swing at that. So that would, you know, making that decision would be good decision value. Now you don't get much, right? Because we also factor in the fact that everyone's going to make that decision, mm-hmm. right? The tough decisions are the ones that are like that O2 slider that's going to paint the corner, right? You can't take it. Like it's really hard to take because it's probably a strike. We also know that, you know, hitting it is, you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, it's a really difficult decision to make. And when they make the right decision, we give them credit. So decision value is all about just making the right decision, regardless of what you're able to do to get back to Wander Franco. He was making much better decisions early in the season. And then there's a sharp dip really in the last like 50 batted balls or, or sorry, 50, plate appearances or so, or 50 pitches even like we see this big, sharp dip. And that to me connected to the fact that he's sort of being called out for being a bad teammate. Mm-hmm. I've sort of got this weird narrative going on of like, I think part of what he might be doing is he just might be a little frustrated. Wonder Franco is not succeeding in June. Like he had in prior months, right? This is one of the best prospects we've ever seen. And it's not like he hasn't been good, right? Hitting 264. uh, OBP 316 slugging 417. He's been a pretty average hitter uh, for the last month. And I'm sure for him, that's extremely frustrating. So I just wonder if some of that's going on. His strikeout rate is not high. It's like 15.2%. That's high for him, but it's not high. He's doing fine. But I just wonder, this is a 22 year old kid, 
mm-hmm. right? And, and I wonder if this whole like bad teammate thing, I just wonder if it's him just being like, look, baseball seasons are a grind. He's not played in a full major league season. In fact, he's almost played as many games as he did last season, right? His longest right. season in the big leagues is 83 games. That was last season, right? Mm-hmm. He's already at 73. So I wonder if like this is going to be some of that adjustment. It's the hot summer months. Yeah, his team's really good, but he's not succeeding quite the way he'd like. There's a big emphasis in Tampa about being a team player. They ask all those. I mean, he's one of the few players they don't ask to platoon or change positions, right? They want that team is all about the team. That's how they get their wins. So I wonder if some of that frustration is happening, but for fantasy purposes, I don't really care, right? Because you know how we talked about Josh Lowe and I know what the floor is and it's a guy whose ratios might be terrible, but he still gets stolen bases. If June is the floor for Wander Franco and he's an average hitter, that means he's the stud we think he is, mm-hmm. right? When your floor is like, yeah, I'm hitting 260 and I've only got two home runs in June. I'm so pissed, <laughs> right? Like, oh no. So uh, I also want to point out he has 24 stolen bases on the season. He does have yep. four in June. Uh, the Rays run constantly. Anyone near the top or middle, like really anywhere in the lineup, the Rays will run anytime, all the time. So he's on pace for 50 stolen bases this season if he plays a whole season. Yeah. Uh, so We'll kind of see yeah, how that goes. He only goes. had eight last season uh, yeah. in 83 games and already has 24 in 73 games. So Yeah, my, my biggest <laughs> trepidation about Wander Franco wasn't the personal – it wasn't any of that. My biggest mm-hmm. thing about Wander Franco was how many home runs and how many stolen bases he's going to get. I know he can pile up counting stats because he can put the ball in play all the time for a lineup that likes you know that scores runs. He's going to hit for a very high average, hitting 290 right now. He should probably finish the season around there, maybe 300. Uh, but it's how many home runs, how many stolen bases. I certainly, you know, I, I sort of have him pegged for about 15 to 20 home runs this season. He's about on pace for that, yep. right? If he kind of doubles, if he plays the whole season, which injuries have been an issue. If he can kind of get there, uh, you know, 15 to 20, that sounds about right. I, that was on like the better side of what I expected. The 24 stolen bases is probably twice as many as I thought he'd get for the season. Right. Like he's already like double what I thought. So uh, this might be another, you know, we talked about Josh Lowe as like a 15 to 20 home run, 35 stolen base guy. Like same for Wander Franco, except more of everything else. Right. More ceiling, more ratios, more runs, more RBI. Uh, he's he's an absolute stud. Like you think about uh, Cedric Mullins in 2021, that breakout season, that's kind of seeming like what we might be able to get here. Maybe not quite, obviously not quite as much power, but I think we've got that. But of course, as a 22 year old, Mm -hmm. there's more power that's going to come. I'm just not sure when, because that hit tool will turn to power. It hasn't quite gotten there yet, but man, it's on its way. I think he should eventually become a 20 to 25 home run hitter. I just don't think he's there yet. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, just 22 years old. Uh, so uh, the best is yet to come. But uh, it doesn't surprise me that, I mean, you know, the, the Rays lead the major leagues with 98 stolen bases. And they were always like a, a forward thinking kind of team when it came to strategy. And look, it makes sense with the new baseball rules that if it's going to be easier to steal bases, why not? you know, steal bases, you know, and, and it's not like as a team, they're not hitting home runs. They are. So, uh, you know, like I said, just, they are one of the, uh, best run franchises in all baseball. They're second in the league as a team in home runs with 122. And like I said, first as a team with a total of 98 stolen bases. So, uh, really a premier franchise 
it, and let's just let's make clear 98 stolen bases that's 20 more than third place right <laughs> cincinnati has 84 oakland has 78 mostly on the back of a story ruiz yeah right yeah. uh the the royals famous for how much they run right they do mm-hmm. like to run even without albedero Montes. Mondesi, they're tied for seventh. There's three teams with 60. That's seven, mm-hmm. eight, nine. They have 60. The Rays have 98. Mm-hmm. They've played 80 games. They have yep. 98 stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Like that's Ricky Henderson running is what that is. Yeah. Like yeah. they're going to get close to like, they're pretty much on pace for 200 stolen bases this year. Yeah. We're not even team. technically at the halfway mark. Yeah. I mean, we're close to it, but not like I knew there'd be more and it's kind of spread out like, okay, so they have 98 stolen bases. Do you know who led the league last year in stolen bases? It was the Rangers. You know how many Mm. they had? 128. The Rays are 30 (laughs) pitches or 30 stolen bases away. Yeah, that's it. 30 Mm -hmm. stolen bases from being from having as many stolen bases as any team in the league last season. Mm hmm. They are, we are halfway through the season. They've played 80 games. They are 30 stolen bases away. Like I said, For the them, Rays are a forward-thinking team when it comes to strategy. They started the shift. They started using an opener. And, and you know, they looked at the, these new rules coming into play, and they said, hey, how are we going to take these rules and use them to our advantage? Okay, we're going to run a little bit more. Okay, here we go. And look well, at this. Helps. They have the best record uh, in baseball. And, and go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're right. I, I mean, I will say it's not everyone, right? Isak Paredes still has zero, right? Well, of course. He yeah, I mean, running. you know, there but, are some guys that just aren't uh, stolen base guys. Yeah, They've built a roster that can really run, mm-hmm. right? Jose Siri, Taylor Walsh, Josh a Rosarina, Luke, a Rosarina, Luke mm-hmm. Rayleigh, Wander Franco, all those guys on the bench, Manny Margot, right? These guys can all run. Every mm-hmm. single one of them. So this team is going to keep running. It's going to make it really tough for other teams. Like that's why they're so scrappy. And that's why they're horrible to put your pitching against because this team, if if you walk somebody, he's getting to second, the Rays will get that guy to second base every freaking time. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't talk about pitching much, but that's why only like, I'm really only comfortable with the studs against the Rays. It's not because they have a lot of runs. It's because how they get them. Right. You have to strike everybody out. Otherwise, this team will put a guy on second and then he'll get to third mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just, just even take it a little further. The Rays are second overall in run scored in baseball. And number one is a team you just mentioned, uh, the Rangers. And I'm getting a closer look at them because they're, they're playing the Yankees this weekend. By the way, we're recording this June 25th. It's about 1140 a.m. right now. Just to give you a reference as to when – uh, we're recording this. And when you take a look at, the, I'm going a little uh, you know, off topic here, but when you take a look at the Rangers lineup from top to bottom, tremendous, tremendous. And then there's, they've scored the most runs in baseball and right behind them is the Rays. Yeah, it is worth noting. Actually, this is a really interesting thing and, and you can sort of apply it to fantasy. It's kind of difficult, but so you you talk about how the, the Rangers do have more runs than the Rays coming into today's games. They have seven more runs scored than the Rays. They played four fewer games, yeah. so they are scoring more runs. What's interesting is that their OBP is only one point different and they're slugging less than the Rays, mm-hmm. uh, but their batting average is a bit higher. But you wonder like, OK, so the, the Rays have hit 21 more home runs. 
Why don't they have the same run scored? And it's simply the approach of the teams, right? Because the Rays are sort of, you don't want to call it small ball because they are, you know, they're second in the league in home runs tied with the Dodgers. But the way they're getting there is everybody moves. Everyone goes up there. They don't have a lot of guys that strike out a lot. The ones they they do have that strike out a lot are like at the bottom of the lineup, like Jose Siri. Everyone puts the ball in play, like Andy Diaz, Isak Paredes. Like everybody puts the ball in play. Everybody, you know, once you're on the bases, you're running, you're moving, right? Mm -hmm. So they scrap and claw. They get every run they can possibly get, right? Where the Rangers are just a different team. They blast the ball, right? They got hitters. They Mm -hmm. are up there to hit. Right. Yeah. Adolis Garcia, Josh Young, Marcus, uh, Marcus Simeon, a bunch of bunch of guys who can hit 20 to 30 home runs. Because when mm-hmm. you go back to that Rays lineup, how, which of these guys, you know, a Rosa Reina can hit 30 home runs. Mm-hmm. Isak Paredes in the perfect environment could hit 30 home runs. Who else? Right. Yandy Diaz has he showed that power really quickly early in the season, but he's really plateaued from a power perspective. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, no home runs this month. Right. right. He had all that power. He doesn't have a single home run in June. Uh, some of it he's been dealing with injuries, but this team, like, you know, the Rays do not have a lot of guys that are going to hit a t- ton of home Lowe, runs. But I don't even know if he is. he hurt? Yeah, he's on the I.L. It, yeah, Brandon he's Lowe. he's on the I.L. Mm-hmm. He's not playing well. Brandon Lau, the, I believe. Yeah, yeah Lau. <laughs> but the rain, like the Rangers, like every time they bring someone up, it's like, oh, that guy could hit 20 home runs. Yeah, maybe. Right. So yeah, almost so it's everyone, really interesting uh, to see how these two teams attack scoring runs. And it's sort of like, you know, if I'm going to make the fantasy pivot, uh, that is how points leagues work. You can do it however you want. You're not looking always for specific stats. You're just trying to find the way like who like the, the Rays are a points league team. Everybody puts the ball in play. They don't strike out a lot. They and like they just make the most of every base runner that they get. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the Rangers, you know, less useful in points league sometimes, because if you have minus for strikeouts or things like that, like they, they're, they're a little less consistent. Whereas the Rays, you know, that that's a points league team. That's a bunch of guys that just put the ball in play all the time. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Braves have a lot of guys that, uh, like you said, they don't, they don't have a, a ton of guys that could hit 30 home runs, but they, they have a lot of fantasy relevant guys that are, you know, kind of like five, two players where they could hit 20 home runs and steal 20 bases. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a good time for us to take a break. And when we come back, uh, you notice I put Sean Figgins on the, on the, uh, breakdown. So we'll talk about him. Not notice Sean Figgins every time his name, like everybody, when, when his name is mentioned, baseball fans who were around during that time, like Sean Figgins, we're going to talk about Sean Figgins. Like, everybody's excited to hear about Sean Figgins. I don't even care what you have to say about him. I'm excited. We'll, we'll talk about him, talk about some angels, talk about the Mets. We'll talk about all of that right after this. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. 
Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I teased, Scott, a little Sean Figgins talk. And you know what's weird? So, you know, we use a lot of sites, uh, baseball-related sites, in preparation for doing our podcast. So I'm on MLB uh, Trade Rumors, and I don't know how I, I you know, got to this, but in the right-hand margin, you know, it lists stories that you could click on the links and, and go to. And, and the, there was a link to a story, Sean Figgins retires. So I'm like... What? I thought he retired years ago. And lo and behold, this, you know, I click on the article and yeah, it, it announces that he retires. And this was uh, dated March 20th, 2016. And Sean Fingers just brought back such a flood of memories to me because he was a guy, uh, multi position eligible, third base, second base, outfield, um, that I would target like in, in the early stages of my, you know, fantasy baseball career in like, mid rounds like even later rounds he'd be available because he was so useful because he was a guy that you know he could play all over the infield because like i said uh, third base second base so he was corner infield middle infield and outfield eligible plus you know he was playing during the go-go years of baseball if you take a look at his stats on on baseball reference he's got a 62 stolen base season a 52 stolen base season uh and and he always hit for a very good average so you know i just got excited when I, I, I you know there's so many players that we used to roster i don't know if there's any one or two that you want to mention that you know uh, you, you kind of forget about right and uh sean figgins was a guy that was on a lot of my fantasy baseball teams over the years yeah i mean he he ran a ton he also scored a ton of runs he led mm. off pretty much all the time uh, when he played full seasons i mean he was I mean, just lock in like 90 to 100 runs scored. Now, he didn't play yeah. a ton of full seasons, uh, especially the peak of his career, right? He plays, I think he had one of five full seasons, and one of those is sort of towards the end of his career. But it was a different game back then. And, and oh, what yeah. was interesting is, you know, so road, we talk about the difference between roto, head to head categories. One of the biggest changes we've talked is this year with the stolen bases. And it's been, it's been that. The, the value of a guy stealing 10 bases just isn't the same, right? Stealing 10 bases in a month is still extremely valuable, mm -hmm. right? Nine stolen bases in a month from a guy like Josh Lowe is still really valuable. But those guys that could just get to 10 stolen bases, like that matters so much less because of how much easier it is to stream stolen bases now, right? Like tons of guys can do it. And I mean, again, we talked about how much the Rays have run. Like I, I just kind of took a peek. The Rays would have been ninth in most stolen bases if this team stopped and moved back to a year ago. In 80 mm. games, they would be a top 10 stolen base team compared to teams from all through 2022. <laughs> the, the Dodgers were ninth in stolen bases last year with 98. And the Rays in 80 games have 98. Yeah. It, it's insane. and like again and it, and it's spread out yes we are seeing some more of the uh the billy hamilton style runners these guys there's there are now many more players who i think are going to get to the 30 and 40 marks oh yeah but again we you know and we've we've talked we talked about this a lot in the preseason the big difference is the number of guys that are going to get to 20 
right? Like there are 28 players right now in the league with 10 stolen bases. Actually, I bet it's more than that because I'm only looking at qualified hitters and you don't need to be qualified to have 10 stolen bases by this point. Right. Yeah, I was right. Hold on. Let me, let me update that. There are 45 (laughs) players with at least 10 stolen bases so far this season, right? A bunch of guys who don't even qualify for a batting title right now. Um, They are all over the place, right? We want to talk about guys with at least five steals. So that would be players currently on pace. You know, if they just do what they've been doing to get to 20 or to get to 10 stolen bases, it's Mm -hmm. 125 players have five stolen bases right now. Hmm. 125. But I mean, again, that's telling you that stolen bases are streamable. It's, and it's all about matchups, right? I like, what I love about the stolen, you know, about the stolen base thing is that it, yes, you know, we got to talk about the Asturi Ruiz's of the world that can steal a bazillion bases in a week. He can't hit. I mean, Asturi Ruiz cannot hit. Like, I just, I'm not convinced this guy's going to do anything more than ever hit singles, but for fantasy, he doesn't have to. He's, yeah, for he's now, a, I think he's, he's the, got a decent uh, batting average, right? But I yeah, think long yeah, right term, now, I mean, we, we have some, he's, some he's the marks, rabbit of yes. rabbits, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, that's a Paul Spore term. It, it's a rabbit. It's a guy who just runs. Now, he is much better than the rabbits we used to have to deal with, like Miles Straw, who does mm. have 10 stolen bases, just to throw that out there. Like, he is better than that because I, he is going to play every day, and he does he will get a decent batting average. He is better than he's – a, he's a better hitter than, like, a Billy Hamilton, who was mm-hmm. always going to drain you for everything. But he plays for a bad team, so the runs scored for Asturias Ruiz aren't going to be great. They'll be good, but they're not great. And really, you have him for steals. Like, the power's not really coming – uh, and, and he's very, he's been very inconsistent as Ruiz in terms of like, he goes through these slumps where he still runs. You still get the stolen bases, but you know, it's like a 200 batting average and a 250 OBP. And it's just ugly because he, you know, uh, as Ruiz got really exciting last season because he spiked his walk rate in the minors, but it just never translated to the majors. Uh, major league mm. pitching is just kind of too good for him to be able to walk that much. He knows that his best chance is to swing his bat. He's got a pretty good hit tool. He can put the ball in play. He just can't do a lot else with it. So that, he's going to have six hundred plus at bats if he keeps up the pace he's at. So oh yeah, yeah, six hundred, and th- that's at bats, right? Yeah. Like because this guy's not walking. No. They, they are not plate appearances. They are at. I mean, it is at bats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that ratio is is pretty intense. But to get back to the stolen base thing a little bit, uh, you know, we talked about how um, you know we talked about like oh yeah the. The Rays have a ton. Lots of teams are up in stolen bases, but you should notice that it's not evenly distributed really across the board, right? There are teams that are getting run on way more than everybody else, Mm -hmm. right? So like the Dodgers, everybody runs against the Dodgers. They've allowed 92 stolen bases through 80 games and they've caught 11. They have caught 11 base runners. 11 all season, huh? Yeah. (laughs) No, but like, so, so that's 92, but like the Tigers, the Tigers have allowed 34 stolen bases. Now, part of that is because you don't have to run against the Tigers to beat them necessarily. Uh, but you, you know, you'd think you'd want to run against a team like the Diamondbacks, right? Except they've only had 33 allowed base runners and they've gunned down 17 guys, right? So like that's a 66% or so. Uh, stolen bait success rate. That means if you can stream steals, but not against the D backs, mm-hmm. right? You want to target. I mean, some of the same teams that we saw last year, some teams have gotten better. So the Mariners are actually a lot better at it than they were last season, but Dodgers, White Sox, guardians, uh, you know, Marlins, blue Jays, Mets, like that's really where we're seeing, I think 
kind of some of the most running. Like you can really run against these teams, particularly those first five Dodgers, White Sox, Guardians, Nats, Mets, or sorry, Marlins. Uh, those five teams, that's where you stream the the running, right? It's mm. weird that none of those teams uh, are teams that, right? Like they're not, I don't think all those teams have had to play against the Rays. I would assume that just playing against the Rays makes these numbers worse for you. But, <laughs> yeah, but that hasn't really been the case. Those are the teams that, you know, to, I know this wasn't necessarily supposed to be about stolen bases. No, it's, it's fine. It's yeah. an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the way you win it isn't, isn't, you don't, you don't have to have a story Ruiz anymore to win stolen bases. Right. In fact, that strategy has become a little less valuable except for like the true elite base dealers, like Esteri Ruiz, because everybody's stealing more bases. You can't just have one guy that steals 60 and carries you in that anymore because everybody's getting more stolen bases across their whole lineups. So when you need boosts in stolen bases, speed's what we need. We need greasy, fast speed. What I, what I say you probably do, and this usually is going to come from your outfield spot, maybe your middle infield, but usually your outfield, because usually, you know, most teams, I think, especially in a five outfield league, are probably streaming an outfielder on the back end of that. If you need stolen bases, go look to see who gets the Dodgers, White Sox, Guardians, Nats, and Marlins. Those five teams give up about a stolen base a game. That's what the numbers say, right? Mm-hmm. They've the, all those teams, like the Marlins have the least of that. They've given up 73 stolen bases and that's through about 80 games, right? So they give up about one per game. So if you get an outfielder, you know, you get an outfielder who leads off for one of these teams uh, or, you know, a guy who's got a chance to lead off or who does run a lot for one of these teams uh, for a team going against them, then there's your stolen base. Mm-hmm. It can happen. If you can steal just like one, if you can get one to two stolen bases extra per week from that stream, like in a daily league, just one or two, right? You are, you're going to add like 26 to 40 stolen bases to your end of season total. That is worth roto points. Even in this sure. environment, that is worth roto points. And it's not that hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. We had talked about streaming stolen bases earlier, uh, podcasts, and now we actually have some more data, and that's uh, good stuff on your part to, to bring that up. That, uh, you know, it's easy to say, okay, you could stream stolen bases, but now we actually have teams that we could target right now. So that's that's awesome. That's something that we could never do in the past. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm looking at, uh, like, the schedule for next week, right? <clears throat> and uh, Michael Garcia, who is a Royals uh, infielder, He's a guy, he just had a three stolen base game. He has not been a prolific base stealer apart from that one three stolen base game. I actually talked about this in the AMA a little bit. I just want to point out that the the Royals host the Dodgers next weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to bring up uh, uh, Michael uh, Garcia, third base shortstop eligible in Yahoo Leagues, uh, plays for the Royals, and through his first 44 games, 280 batting average, 337 OBP uh, has stolen 10 stolen bases uh, hasn't been caught yet. And I know that uh, of those 10, three came in one game, but uh, you know, he's a kind of a, a guy that's, uh, you know, trending in uh, you know, player searches and going to be, uh, you know, like I said, we're recording this on Sunday and uh, your fab uh, and, uh, ads are going to run by the time you hear this, but he's somebody that's, uh, really looked as somebody to add this week. 
Yeah, uh, and and I'll I'll post. I'm actually going to post it on Twitter today because I just looked. Here are the so the uh, the Royals have four series before the All Star break. Remember those teams I read off about? You know who to who to really target for stolen bases, right? Who to go against for stolen mm-hmm. bases? Mm-hmm. Two of them. Uh, you're about to hear three times, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because the Royals are at home against the Guardians, and then the Dodgers, two teams that give up a ton of stolen bases. Then they get the Twins on the road, and then they get the Guardians again. Michael Garcia could steal 10 stolen bases between now and the uh, the All-Star break. Honestly, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, yeah, like he's 10, proven that he could steal them in bunches, yeah. But, but and he's 10, got some good favorable matchups yeah. coming up, sure. And, and no off days, right? He'll be off on mm-hmm. Monday. He has no off days again until the break. It's... Uh, Ten, he's got 10 games against two of the three worst teams at stopping the run. That's the Guardians, the Dodgers, and the Guardians again. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, I don't think he'll steal the base every single game against them. But, like, if, if he had five stolen bases across, those, you know, just from now till then, uh, which is four series, five stolen bases, I absolutely think, I mean, that's, you could practically book it. He is going mm-hmm. to run, run, run. And it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful setup for streaming stolen bases. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really Royals in general, but he's the one that's probably the most available and the most likely to run. So, I mean, that's if you're behind by four stolen bases, like Michael Garcia can make those up for you just in the next, what, two weeks? Hmm. Yeah. All right, since we're talking stolen bases, let's talk about this other guy I was going to bring up, uh, uh, David Hamilton, uh, middle infielder for the Red Sox, second base shortstop eligible in Yahoo leagues. If you look at his minor league numbers, uh, showing a nice blend of of power and speed. But Scott, where not just talking speed here? I mean, we're talking you know Rocky Two, chase the chicken uh, type of speed. You ever see Rocky Two? I, I did. Speed, speed. Can't you catch your little chickens? Huh? Come on, move your tail. Okay. I did. Yeah, when uh, yeah, his uh, manager Mickey, uh, he says, "All right, look, we gotta, you gotta work on your speed." So he makes him chase a chicken. But anyway, uh, so look, this guy Hamilton, David Hamilton, he's had uh, a season where he's stolen fifty-two bases uh, in the minor leagues, stole seventy bases in another season in the minor leagues, batting average. In three minor league season is, you know, it's average 254, 340 OBP, uh, 425 slug. So uh, double digit walk rates in his three minor league seasons. But since we're talking speed, this is a guy that you got to be looking at as well. David Hamilton. Yeah. You know, my only issue with David Hamilton is I'm not convinced he can hit. Right. So. <laughs> um, he, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It, it, it really, really is. So, uh, in the minor leagues, he, he wasn't a bad hitter by any means. He was sort of a league average hitter, uh, because he doesn't bring a lot of power. Now he was hitting the ball much harder in the minors this season, right? 11 mm-hmm. home runs in 52 games. He had 12 and 119 games in double a last year. Yeah. This year, triple mm-hmm. a, uh, 11 home runs in 52 games. So that's pretty cool. <clears throat> the problem is a, a guy who's a 250 hitter, uh, coming to the majors like that makes 250 probably the absolute ceiling uh, and, and he does put a lot of balls in play but you know that 20 you know, we've talked about this a little bit before that 21 to 22 percent uh, strikeout rate that we see from him in the minors I would probably start that off at about 25 percent in the major mm-hmm. leagues 
Um, it's you know he's only had ten plate appearances so far, and he's I got. I do like, like the fact that he has the double digit walk rate. So you're right about yeah. the strikeout rates, but I do like the fact that he is patient enough to take some walks, and I agree yeah, with you with it, the batting average as well. Yeah, and so unless he finds it, unless that power starts playing. Right. I'm like, we really see that power. I mean, he's had one hit so far, so we haven't yet. Uh, but he's also only had three play appearances. He's going to be at the bottom of the Red Sox lineup. The Red Sox are not a team that runs a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, let me let me double check where they are in the standings here. But Boston is. Yeah, they're kind of smack dab in the middle. Uh, so they're not a team that necessarily runs a ton. So, you know, he'll get some green lights, but it'll be at the bottom of the batting order. This isn't exactly a prolific offense. They've been better lately, but we're looking at a guy who's probably going to get about three plate appearances a game, sometimes four. Uh, and so he basically has to run. I And I just, I don't love, it's hard for guys with no power, right? Because the margin for error becomes really, really low. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and this is also a guy who, in the minor leagues, you know, he actually hits a lot of balls in the air, right? Which is not great when you don't have a lot of power. <laughs> so mm-hmm. usually guys like that, like he's going to really need uh, a, a strong line drive rate to kind of drive this. And he actually did. He had a really strong line drive rate in AAA. Uh, the problem is it's like, it might kind of be fluky, but yeah, he's, he po- he's also popped out a ton when he was in the minors. I mean, we're talking 20% infield fly ball rate. So that could get really ugly in the big leagues with a lot more pitchers who are better at attacking up in the zone. Uh, can force fly balls like weak fly balls. And it doesn't matter how fast you are. If you pop up. Right. 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 It's like, yeah, you could beat out a lot of infield hits. If you hit it on the ground, when you have the kind of speed that he does, and right. I like it better, uh, you know, we played in Fenway if he was a right-handed batter betting this, but he's a lefty, but yeah, he's a lefty who puts the mm-hmm. ball in the air. That's not a great thing to be, uh, in, in Boston to begin with, especially when there's no power to speak mm-hmm. of. So I do worry that this is going to be a big time batting average risk. Uh, and, and that he's because, I mean, again, it doesn't matter how fast you are when you fly out, mm-hmm. right? Like, so he's going to have to walk. And I just, I really would like to see him turn some of those fly balls more into like line drives or even grounders because grounders can play for David Hamilton, but fly balls and pop-ups never will. You can be so fast. Like even if he's fast enough to get all the way home before that thing lands, it's still out. Right. Right. So, so that's, that's a problem. That's, and that's my concern with David Hamilton. I don't love a guy with this kind of power who puts the ball in the air this much. Mm -hmm. All right. And by this Uh, kind of power, I mean none. Right. Um, all right. So uh, why don't we take uh, our, our second break of the podcast? Uh, when we come back, we'll talk uh, about uh, Pirates' recent call-ups, uh, Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez. And I want to talk a little bit about the Reds as well. Uh, we'll talk about all that right after this. All right. We're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galena, Scott Chu. You can follow me at Joe Galena. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits, and uh, we've been talking a lot about stolen bases. Uh, but let's uh, switch gears a little bit uh, to the Pirates, who uh, called up a couple of minor leaguers this week. Uh, Henry Davis is a catcher who's been getting starts in right field for them. The, the former number one overall pick in the 2021 draft, uh, basically being fast tracked through the um, Pirates minor league season. So. 
eventually going to have outfield eligibility if he doesn't already in your fantasy league. Uh, has shown some good plate discipline in the minors. Uh, 51 minor league games this season had a walk rate of over 17%. Uh, minor league career 404 OBP. That's across three minor league seasons. Flash uh, some power in the minor leagues as well. 523 career slug, pretty good. Uh, 276 minor league career batting average as well. Uh, what's your take on Henry Davis? Looks like he's going to be playing every day moving forward. Yeah, he shot up through uh through double A AA and triple A this season for the pirates. They actually have another, the, the pirates have another like top 50 prospect catcher in their ranks uh, in Andy Rodriguez. Right. And Henry Davis just blew by him. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that was, I was kind of interested if you've been reading um, the, the taxi squad, I've actually been talking about both of them because I was kind of like, I wonder how this is going to play out. And it turns out they just like Henry Davis a lot better. So, you know, he's got, He's got an opportunity to play every day. It's not as though uh, the the Pirates have this clogged roster. It's not like the Reds, right? Like everyone's talking about Christian Encarnacion Strand, and I, I I wish we could have a great conversation about him, but we can't because there's just nowhere for him to go right mm-hmm. now. They they're just so clogged with Joey Votto back. They've got Nick Senzel on the roster. Like basically, what would need to happen is they need to they need to lose an outfielder to injury or trade. Right. Mm-hmm. Like a TJ Friedel or Jake Fraley who do get hurt a lot, but mm-hmm. one of them pretty much has to go down because then maybe you can move steer to the outfield from first base to outfield. And then you can, which they've done a few times a season. Then you can put Christian and Carnacion strand in at first. But if it's just a light injury, do you really want to bring up strand for 15 games? Because mm-hmm. Fraley and Friedel have been good. Right. But, but this is about the pirates. That That's the reds. That's Christian. Yeah, I was going to talk reds. I mean, you could talk red. I was going to talk both of them, but yeah, uh, so, I yeah. Mean, well, I'm but, making this one quick because that's a crowded roster, right? Like think several things kind of need to happen for Encarnacion strand to get, uh, to get in and to get full playing time. That is hmm. just not what need. That's not what needed to happen for Henry DFA'd Davis. Will Myers. I mean, I don't yeah, know they did. I mean, that, that yeah. took one cog out, but yeah. there's still like, I mean, there's still Joey Votto. He's going to play pretty much every day. He's the heart and soul of that team. Even if he's not the best hitter anymore. Nice. Right? It's a few home runs already. Yeah. yeah. Where, where and, are I mean, the, uh, we're in the Viking uh, helmet there. <laughs> yeah. And cool. Ellie De La Cruz, Matt, Mc, Matt McLean, Jonathan India, they're taking up second, third, you know, second, third short. So that leaves first base, which right now is Spencer steer. Who's been, you know, he, who's been very successful this year in his own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's nowhere to put him. Right. And then you think about the outfield, you know, they've got like a young guy in will Benson who's been raking since he's been called up. Right. He's hitting really, really well, especially lately. So you can't bench him, right? You want to see what you have in this young outfielder. TJ Friedel has been a good leadoff hitter for them when he's been healthy. Jake Fraley, when healthy, has been plugged right into the heart of that lineup and done well, right? Uh, yeah, platoon maybe, but you can't bring Strand up to platoon. You can't bring him up for just a week and then have to send him back down when one of these other outfielders come up. So what do you do? I mean, they went from having Kevin Newman starting at first base to now like nowhere to go. So right. it makes it hard to see a place for Encarnacion strand, which is not the case for Henry Davis over in Pittsburgh because they don't well, have before a, you move like, off of them. Let me ask you, does Votto belong on any fantasy rosters in OBP? There's always room for him at the back of a roster. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to root for him, he does, you know, he does splash power here and there. Uh, it's hard to really, get too excited long-term this guy's body's broken down several times Mm. uh he's you know 
I mean, he's almost 40. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's, it's hard, like, but he is going to play every day and in leagues where volume matters, there will always be that. Uh, so, you know, against righties, especially I like Joey Votto. Um, he, he actually played against a lefty, so it's not as though he's going to sit every single time, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I mean, it's really just kind of hard to see how it all plays out. All right, go. Cool. Yeah. All right. So go on to Hank Davis. Yeah. So, yeah. So Davis over in Pittsburgh, the pirates don't really have another catcher that they care about, right? Like they've got Austin hedges there. Who's a veteran who I think is going to like sort of help him, but they've actually been plugging Davis in the outfield, <laughs> which is weird because, because he is a catcher, right? Yeah. Like Henry Davis can catch. But like you said, uh, they got Andy Rodriguez, right? So they might as well uh, get some at-bats for Davis, right? In the outfield. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I kind of hadn't noticed, but they actually didn't even, like they, they didn't, re- I mean, he was barely in AAA to begin with, but they only had him catch about half the time. So mm-hmm. number one, love fantasy catchers who aren't catching, right? Because then sure. they can play every day. That's yeah. how you play every day. Uh, you, you either you catch in DH or you don't catch. Right. I mean, that's really Varsho's big advantage this season. Um, there's a lot of catchers that qualify for the batting title right now, which is really unusual. Usually by the end of the season, we have like six, right? Um, Henry Davis missed too much of the year to to qualify for the batting title entirely, but between DH, catcher, and right field, I think Henry Davis will play every day. They have mm-hmm. no reason not to, right? As long as he doesn't completely flame out. Because here's the other thing. Teams don't bring up a top prospect in their organization like this. I mean, the Pirates do a lot of dumb things, but yeah. you generally don't bring up a, a guy like this if you're going to pull him at the first sign of of problems, right? But thankfully, I mean, Henry Davis has looked really good in his his early rounds. He, you know, he walked a ton in the minor leagues this year, 17 point, 17% of the time or more, uh, which is really unusual. That's not something he'd really been doing in the minor leagues prior to that. So he starts doing that. I don't think he'll walk a ton, but he should walk league average or better for the rest of the way. And with Henry Davis, I mean, he's got power, right? 10 home runs in 41 games in double a, uh, he only had one in triple a, but he only played 10 games and he still slugged over 500. Right. I think this mm-hmm. is a guy who projections are really kind of down on him because they kind of always are, uh, on, on prospects anyway, but unlike other catching prospects we've seen called up like Francisco Alvarez, Henry Davis is going to play every day and Henry Davis doesn't have to learn how to catch. Mm. Right. So like I've compared fantasy catcher, uh, well, rookie catchers to rookie tight ends and that they have to learn two games at the same time. They, you know, in football, the tight, they have to learn their blocking assignments and they have to learn their routes and catch. Right. It makes it twice as hard because like receivers have to learn how to block, but they don't have to be any good at it. Right. Mm. They're not blocking outside linebackers. They're just blocking guys who, you know, don't really care to be blocked like safeties. Yeah. Uh, corners. A huge part of a t- being a tight end. Yeah. That's right. why it takes them a few years to develop the good fantasy players. Most and of them we, at least. Yeah. And we see the same thing at catcher, right? It mm-hmm. takes a while for catchers to develop. I mean, like Adley Rutschman struggled a little bit in his rookie season, but I mean, he's, he's another world, right? Like he's one of the best catching prospects we've seen in a long time, but it's hard for catching prospects because they, they have to learn, like they can't just spend all their time figuring out how they're going to hit major league pitching because then they have to go learn how to manage the staff. A lot of times of veterans, right? Like Francisco Alvarez has got to then learn like, Oh, well, I've also got JV and Scherzer and, and all these other guys like these old vets that I need to learn how to catch. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and they, it is a lot different than catching minor league pitchers, right? Like these guys throw, way harder, more movement, like everything better. So 
it, it's really, really tough, but Henry Davis doesn't have to do that. So, um, it, you know, if I want to, you know, there's two, we saw two rookie catchers just get called up. We saw Bo Naylor and we saw Henry Davis. Both of them uh, are basically being handed starting roles, but Henry Davis is in the outfield. Bo Naylor uh, is catching, right? So um, that, that's a, to me, that's kind of scary, right? Because so Bo Naylor, um, he's just, ha- he's got a much harder journey ahead to be a good fantasy hitter because he has to learn two things at once. Henry Davis, uh, should have catcher eligibility in some leagues. Um, he might, you know, it, it just depends on how each league, uh, sort of manages what guys get called up. He's like, he did play more. Let me think in, no, he's going to have a cat. I think he has catcher eligibility in, in all leagues. The key is him adding the outfield eligibility once he plays enough games in the outfield. No. Yeah. And in Yahoo, mm-hmm. that's one more game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the key is about- you hope in a way that he plays enough games at catcher where he doesn't lose the catcher eligibility for next season. Even if the pirates are going to use him as an outfielder most of the time, you know, we want that one year where he has catcher and outfield eligibility. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as like fantasy sort of managers, a, yeah. yeah, he needs just enough, right? Like <laughs> yeah. uh, Kyle Schwarber was a catcher once <laughs> like, hard, hard to remember, but, but it happened. So uh, I really, I really like Henry Davis because you can put him in a catcher. It changes the bar of what success is. And again, you can never stress enough. He's a catcher that doesn't have to learn how to catch in the bigs. That's mm-hmm. a big deal because it just takes, takes something that's extraordinarily playing outfield in the majors is not that different from playing outfield in the minors. Catching in the majors is a lot different than catching in the minors. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like it's way different. The expectations are way different. So that like to see, to see that he's going to get sort of the easier path. I think it gives him a big advantage. I like him a lot more than Bo Naylor. And I think mm-hmm. those are the two names that you'd be thinking about with the rookie catchers that have come up. I like Henry Davis a lot more because it's just a better situation. I'm going to bring up one more since we're talking rookie catchers. Patrick Bailey. Do you have you seen what this guy's done for the for the Giants? Uh, you know, I mean, in 28 games, batting 326, 356 OBP, four homers, 22 RBI. I mean, uh, you know, this guy just came out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and I mean, he's hitting the ball really hard. Yeah, right. It's it's not like he's sort of like somehow. Uh, but so here's the thing about him and the reason I've been really sort of, uh, holding off. So if you look at the stat cast numbers for, uh, Patrick Bailey, they're really, really good, right? Like they support everything that he's doing. So I think a lot of folks are going to tend to think that that means this is legit. And let's be clear. What has already happened is legitimate. He has not been getting lucky. He's been hitting stuff that deserve to go for hits. Here's the thing. And I've talked about this in articles. I've talked about this on this podcast before. This guy is ha- has a 35.2% line drive rate right now. No major league player can sustain that kind of line drive rate for very long. Hmm. It's just not possible. I mean, you can go back as many years as you want. Look at a full season of data and look for how many guys have, let's even say a 30% line drive rate for a whole season. Right. Like I'll tell you that last season there was one and it's Luis Arias who hits line drives in a very different way. Right. They're, they're line drives because they like, they fall in, you know, behind the infield in front of the outfield kind of thing. Whit Merrifield had a lot of line drives last year. Right. Same concept though. Um, other players can do it. Right. So Freddie Freeman hit a ton of them. 
Oh, I'm sorry. That's this season. Let me look at that. Let me look at last season. 30% is going to be none. Sorry. It's zero, zero. <laughs> so far this season, one guy last season, the best line driver, it was Freddie Freeman. He actually always has a really high one. It's 27.5%. So that's the level of hitter you need to be to hit that many line drives, but mm-hmm. line drives are very commonly hits, right? They do yeah. go for extra bases. They look awesome on a stat cast page. Line drives look really, really good on Statcast pages, but you can't hit that many of them. Like it's just so if you want players last season who had more than 25% line drives, and again, Patrick Bailey has 35.7% line drive rate. Last season, three guys could sustain a line drive rate of over 25% for that long. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's just when you see a line drive rate that's 30% or higher. The first thing you need to do is, is not say, oh, it's just going to get worse. You have to think, okay, what are those batted balls? You know, those line drives, you've basically got 10%. You need to figure out what's going to happen to, right? Best case scenario, only 10% of Patrick Bailey's fly ball rates are, of, of his line drives are going to turn into ground balls and fly balls. It'll probably be more, mm-hmm. but it might only be 10%. So the question then becomes, what will they turn into? So go and just look at the minor for a guy like this. Look at the minor league track record, right? Like go and look and see what is, what is not happening. Unfortunately for Patrick Bailey, it's fly balls, right? So basically all, all that stuff that used to be fly balls for him right now are line drives, which means that batting average is really being put up because we could see more home runs. If he starts hitting the ball in the air more and he starts pulling it, He's not necessarily pulling it a ton uh, right now. It's 41%. So it's a lot, but it's not like an extreme amount. Um, what what we have to think about with Patrick Bailey is, okay, he's not going to hit 35.2% line drives for the rest of the season. He's simply not, right? That number is probably somewhere between 20 and 25%. It's what it was in the minors, and that's what it is really for the league as a whole. Hmm. Where do they go? He never had like a, he barely ever had 40% ground ball rates in the minors. This is not a player who puts the ball on the ground a lot, which is sort of a good thing. Uh, But he also puts the, and he does put the ball in the air a lot, which can be a good thing. Unless you're a guy who does a lot of infield flies like Patrick Bailey does Uh, in the minors this season. He wasn't down there for super long, but let me tell you, he hit a lot of pop outs a lot. Hmm. Like, in double a which again this season wasn't that long it was only 14 games 42.9 percent of his fly balls were in field flies wow that's huge uh yeah in triple a it was 20 percent. i mean it's always been a double digit number in the minors for him mm-hmm. so he doesn't have like any right now that's because he's not hitting the ball up high right everything's turning into line drives so with patrick bailey do i like him sure stream him he's a catcher i'd rather have henry davis uh to me, it's not that close, even though Patrick Bailey's already been doing it because I know what is coming. Mm-hmm. I don't know when can't tell you when I can tell you that it's this season, this season, Patrick Bailey is going to hit a lot fewer line drives. It's probably going to fall to about 20 to 25%, not 35%. That means that batting average is going to come way down, right? You're probably wondering how come these projections don't like him so much right? Like they think that he's only going to hit 240 the rest of the season because those projections also kind of assume line drive rates a lot closer to league average and not 35.2. So it's this weird thing where you, I don't want to say that Patrick Bailey has been super lucky, right? What he's hit 
has done what it's supposed to do. Because line drives look real good on Statcast because they are line drives are great. You just can't hit this many of them for very long. Right. You don't you don't hit this many line drives for very long. Nobody has. Uh, again, you just don't like thirty percent is a very very high number. We've seen yeah. other players do this in spurts. Uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but the first thing I do is look at that line drive rate. What's it been recently? It's just not going to stay there. Freddie Freeman can do this for a while. Patrick mm-hmm. Bailey can't. Right. And uh, just just an aside, uh, Joey Bart, uh, who was hurt, and that's how Patrick Bailey started playing, uh, now he's in the minor league. So um, that was one of the concerns as well. You, the the uh, What you just brought up is very important as well. I mean, ride him while you can, right? You know, and I agree with you. Uh, it's tough to maintain a, a high line drive rate. But for now, he's going to be playing every day. And I think he, especially in two-catcher leagues, you know, it's an it's a no brainer for now, but uh, interesting that uh, the, the Giants kind of believe in him. Where they just sent uh, Joey Bart down. Not that Joey Bart was, you know, tearing the cover off the ball anyway when he was playing, but uh, that's just an aside. Hey, before we go uh, back to the Pirates, any uh, word on on Nick Gonzalez, second baseman uh, that they called up uh, as recently as well, seventh overall pick in the twenty twenty draft. A little bit of power, but uh, free swinger. Uh, 29% K rate in 57 AAA games this season. So uh, Pirates have been trying to find a, a permanent replacement for O'Neill Cruz, who fractured his ankle and uh, isn't coming back till maybe August. So uh, any interest in Nick Gonzalez before we go? No, I have okay. no idea why they did this because <laughs> he's, stri- he's striking out weight like in the minor leagues. Yeah, he was walking a lot, but that 28.6% strikeout rate is pretty much yeah. on par with the 28.5% yeah. strikeout rate he had the year before. You mm-hmm. can get away with that in the minors. You can't in the majors, right? And it's, I, I don't understand uh, because he's, I mean, he's going to strike out 30% or more of the time. Um, he's, he's not a guy who's going to hit for a high batting average anyway. Right. Because that just wasn't really what he ever was going to do. He doesn't have a great hit tool. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he was a former first round pick back in 2020. Uh, He's got a little bit of speed, but it's not stolen base speed. They don't use it for that. Um, I I just don't understand because they have other guys on the roster who could have been this good or Mm -hmm. better. Right. Like Rodolfo Castro is still there. No. Right? And Rodolfo Castro can play second base. I don't understand why the Pirates did this. The, I mean, I will say the Pirates have now called up more uh, minor leaguers to their roster than I think they have for the last decade. Right. Mm. This team hold they, they held O'Neill Cruz down forever. Yeah. They, yeah remember, and, everyone and so was clamoring for Cruz to be called up. Yeah. So they've called up these guys. But like, I don't understand why they chose, mm. of all people, Nick Gonzalez. Mm. Uh, who just, you know, he, he strikes out too much. The hit tool is, is not, it's just very unlikely to look great. Hmm. Um, I, I hope it, you know, again, I want players to succeed. I get no joy of watching them not succeed, but like this just doesn't make sense to me. If you wanted to call up a minor leaguer who like is, is playing really well, he was down in double a, I'd be more interested in Leover uh, Pagero, right? So he's, He's one of their, you know, he's one of their top 10 prospects, but he's a guy with a good hit tool, right? Mm-hmm. So like that has a much better chance of playing. I have no idea how he's looking like on the field, but 
uh, my understanding was that he was a pretty decent defender. Uh, he would have been a lot more interesting. He puts the ball in play. He can run. He's got fantasy intrigue. Nick Gonzalez, it, this is a really tough situation for him. Hmm, yeah. Uh, Leover Piguero, nine home runs, 32 RBI, 18 stolen bases uh, for the Pirates double-A team. 269 batting average. Interesting. Okay, good stuff. All right, Scott. Well, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, good talking to you this week. I think that just about slams the lid on things for this week. And uh, this is our last podcast for the month of June. We're already heading into July. Amazing how time flies. Uh, but we'll be back next week with another podcast. And until then, uh, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. 